Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Friends, I want to introduce to you one of our new partners. It is GuideServe. They are our financial partner who helps us take care of all of our nickels and noses, so to speak. Uh, GuideServe is an outsourced accounting partner for our, our Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Uh, GuideServe provides professional accounting solutions to churches and ministries all across the country. And they offer, they truly offer some comprehensive accounting and payroll solutions to organizations ranging from just beginning church plant to large churches and expansive ministries. And listen, if you'd like to know more about them, you can visit their website at guideserve.com or send them an email at info at guideserve.com. And by the way, if you mention BSCM, uh, when you do, it'll be a benefit to us as well. So welcome our new partner, Guideserve. Well, welcome again to another podcast of Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan, where we bring in pastors and leaders across our denomination and other places to talk about the things that are important here in Michigan and around our state and literally the world about advancing the kingdom and how we can punch holes in the darkness through our ministries and what God has given us to do here. Now today, I have a very, very dear friend and special guest with us today is Pastor Eli Garza. He has, he is, I guess you could call, uh, he's a standard here in the Detroit area. He's been around so long, I, I thought they'd have statues built for him. But <laughs> he's just one of those great leaders. He's a great soul, has a great mind. You will find very quickly, he is a very intelligent man and well-educated. He was not particularly trained early on in uh, pastoral ministries and theology, although he did get to do that. Uh, I think it was engineering. Is that correct, Eli? You were you're a, a certified engineer and trained engineer? Uh, yes, still am a registered professional engineer. Yeah. And uh, I, my career was 20 years in structural engineering. Yeah. So you see, guys, he's smarter than all of us. You just <laughs> understand that. So he's a sharp guy, uh, but he's just got a a wonderful insight into ministry here in Detroit and Michigan in, per, in particular, and all and really across our, our Southern Baptist Zion. He, he really has a good insight in that. What, one of the things I love about Eli is if you want to know something about the history of Detroit and Michigan, call Eli. He's a lot better than a library. He's he just got a lot of uh, wisdom and insight and history of what has transpired in our state and in our, our metropolitan area. And that's why I wanted you, if you've not had the privilege of hearing his heart and his insight, I wanted you to hear that today. And uh, that's why I've invited my dear friend, uh, Eli Garza. Eli, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming and being part of our podcast today. Uh, it's always a privilege to talk with you. And, and by the way, uh, mm -hmm. How are you feeling? Everybody wants to know that. Are you doing well? Well, thanks uh, for asking uh, first about my health. <laughs> the, uh, uh, I, I contracted uh, COVID-19, the famous coronavirus, uh, probably about mid-April. Uh, my father-in-law passed away on April 15th uh, from COVID. Uh, he obviously had other conditions, which obviously led to that, that passing. 
And uh, while we were in Pennsylvania to uh, say goodbye and, and to, to bury him, uh, both my wife and I contracted it. And uh, for about a week, we just had uh, mild symptoms. And then after about a week, I started losing my breath, not being able to breathe well. And so I had to be hospitalized and was there for a week in order to receive uh, oxygen treatments. Uh, I contracted uh, pneumonia in both of my lungs, uh, bilateral pneumonia as it's called. Uh, and since, uh, what about the first week in, in May until last week, I was on oxygen uh, pretty much all day long. And just the last week, I've been able to be off it during the day where my, uh, my blood oxygen level is, is sufficiently high enough for that. Now I just wear it at night. Um, I lost uh, quite a bit of weight, uh, was very, very exhausted. Um, and uh, of course, it could be dangerous. It's definitely not the flu, as some people have claimed it to be. Uh, and it, it can damage one's uh, uh, organs. And uh, I'm grateful through prayer. Uh, my cousin, who is also an MD, said that once it enters the lung, it's very hard to combat it. And uh, I'm grateful that it stopped uh, uh, in my lungs and didn't progress further. And I, and I attribute that to the Lord uh, moving and responding to many prayers for me, uh, not only here in the United States, but in different parts of the world as well. So uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, uh, for how re the Lord responded. He's not done with me yet, I guess. So Absolutely. He's not done with you. Do. <laughs> Absolutely. He's not. And we are truly grateful that you are doing well. And, and this story that Eli is sharing with us is, it's played out all across our, our state, our convention, and there are many who've had to suffer under this, this insidious disease. And that's why we've taken so many precautions. And uh, I, I'm just thankful that, that you're well and you're back doing the things that uh, bring joy and happiness to your life and honor our Father. Well, this morning, uh, Eli, I'd like to talk about some things that I think are important. We've had our two recent podcasts, we're, can, we're dealing with the area of racism and bigotry and, and all this going on in our, our, our states and our, our nation. It's just a heartbreak to us. It's just, it grieves us. As, as I have said, and I'm trying to reinforce by saying this as, uh, as a leader of the Baptist State Convention of Michigan, we stand diametrically opposed to any type of racism not just with our words, but we want to do that with our actions as well. What has transpired in the, in the killing of, of people, uh, it's just, of, of people of color in particular, it's just appalling to me and to other Southern Baptists here in Michigan. And uh, we just want to make sure that people understand that we, we, we don't have any inkling of support for that kind of ungodliness. Now, uh, th that being said, things happen and there's racism in our, our country and there's racism in our cities and all. And um, we talk with African-American pastors, but I wanted to talk with a Hispanic pastor. Uh, and Eli, as you know, as I've shared with you before, I spent many years in South Texas doing ministry and uh, the racism and bigotry among uh, Anglos and Hispanics was actually, as far as I, my perspective, was much more severe than what I see even in our black and white. Now that's not taking any way, anything away from anybody or any issue. I'm just saying it was bad there too. And you understand that and you've experienced 
uh, racism. You've experienced bigotry on people's parts. I know I've kind of introduced this thing, but would you talk a bit about it and let me, and we'll just kind of move through it, but give me your perspective on what is going on now and how that affects us and how we can deal with that. And also what your take is from all of this as well. We know this issue has been very, very important to me uh, ever since I was eight years old. Uh, I was one of those nerdy kids way back in 1965 that would watch the evening news along with their parents. And I remember watching uh, a report on the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, and I thought, uh, I was very, very scared when I saw it. And they said, they're going to come after me because we're, we're not an Anglo family. Uh, and ever since then, I've been very interested in uh, cross-ethnic relationships. Uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, very kindly, of my, of my love for history. One of the reasons I like history a lot is that it explains why we are where we are. Uh, be an engineer, I like to study how things work. And uh, so that's why I've studied history. And while I was in seminary, uh, as an independent study in church history, uh, I worked on a spiritual history of Detroit, uh, just to understand why uh, Detroit had such a terrible reputation for being so racially divided. If you remember the 2000 census, uh, it, it showed that Detroit, Chicago, and Cleveland were some of the most racially divided cities where we definitely lived in um, areas geographically that were separated and there was very little mixing. Uh, I'm glad to say that Detroit has changed, uh, the metro area has changed quite a bit, and even the city in the last um, uh, 20 years, the uh, last 25 years, uh, we've seen a lot of progress, uh, definitely uh, people are, are, are moving across ethnic lines. And, and I prefer to use the word ethnic, ethnic divisions. Uh, I heard it from a, a pastor here in Metro Detroit about 25 years ago that he preferred the term ethnic conciliation rather than racial reconciliation because this isn't just a, a black and white issue. It's a, it's a, a matter uh, that involves other ethnic groups. And as you mentioned, Latinos and in some parts of the country like South Texas or Arizona or California, New Mexico, Florida. Uh, the issue isn't just black and white. Uh, in fact, that's a reason why my dad moved to Detroit way back in the mid 50s, is that he saw the racism in Texas and uh, wanted to move to an area where he thought uh, that would be a lot less, a lesser degree. Um, and, you know, the North also suffered from uh, intense ethnic uh, separation. Uh, not just because of the southern migrations, both of white and black, but even before. And, and it has to do with our type of immigration that we received. Uh, and then just the general feeling in the country, even in the Civil War, many northerners were racist. Um, and even though they were fighting to reunite the country, uh, there was still racism in heart. And I've had to say that on Facebook to several southern pastors within our convention. Uh, that uh, I agreed with them. The North uh, does not have clean hands on this issue, and it's not just a, a regional issue. This is a, a matter of the heart. And um, uh, I've, as a Latino, I've gotten it from uh, the, a lot of different ethnic groups, not just Anglos, and, and, but also from African Americans and even other Latinos from Latin America. Uh, and, and, and it's also a cross-generational issue as well. Um, I, even though I was born in Detroit, I was raised in Mexico as well as Michigan, and uh, which is why I'm, I'm able to be bilingual at the same vocabulary level as I am in English. Uh, but still, there's people that 
that's not acceptable still to them. I'm not, I'm not a real Latino. Right. And, and Eli, is it, is it not true? And this is what I have found. And we've yeah. discussed this before. Mm-hmm. Um, different Hispanics or Latinos mm-hmm. uh, from different countries and regions have difficulty at times even getting along with each other, much right. less getting along with the Anglos and so forth. Uh, I know when I, as I told you before, when I pastored in Hillcrest in Jacksonville, Florida, mm-hmm. it was a very diverse church and we had hispanics from different parts of the world we had puerto ricans we had people from central america the different central american countries mexico uh panama all the different places and they had difficulty getting along with each other uh culturally and so we see this diversity in even prejudice even within Mm -hmm particular groups. Can you, can you talk to, you, to me about that a little bit? Sure, that, that, that definitely is the case. I mean, uh, the reason we don't have a United States of Latin America is all the 20 nations can't get along. <laughs> and uh, you know, why aren't we united with Canada? We, we both speak English. We both have a British heritage. Uh, and yet, uh, there's no desire to unite. Um, uh, the same with Australia and New Zealand. Why aren't they one country when they're not? So, it, it, it Sadly, in our human nature, we tend to prefer people who are just like us. In fact, Jesus uh, alluded to that when he said, uh, if you only pray for people that you like, well, you're no different than the pagans. Mm -hmm. We need to be caring and loving and praying for even those who are very different from us, even those that we don't like. And, uh, and, and, and when, you, when you see the early church uh, in the book of Acts, both in Jerusalem, which was a bilingual church, uh, or Antioch, uh, and when you look at the list of membership in Rome, you see uh, uh, not only different nationalities and languages, but you also see different socioeconomic groups. So it is God's desire and will for the church to be mixed up, and that we, <laughs> and I don't mean it that we be crazy or have uh, bad doctrine or theology, but that we be together uh, across class lines as well as across ethnic lines. And they'd be working hard to get along with each other. And that's part of our, our, our public testimony is that when we receive Christ as Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit who begins to turn us into different creatures, into the likeness of Christ. And that our main characteristic should be the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. And clearly, we believe our sanctification is a process. But, you know, we, we, we like to kick against that sanctification process, and we hold on to the fruits of the flesh, and we keep holding on to preferring what we like and what we are more comfortable with rather than accepting uh, the direction God is pushing us into, is to have a much wider vision, not just of, of reaching people for Christ, but also loving each other and even having a diversity of friendships and, and relationships across our own personal preferences so like like we were even even though we may speak the same language um all across the world uh, all across time and even in the present you know we have 20 arabic speaking nations why because they can't get along with each other uh you know the same with uh french speaking or other um we have a hard time it's in our nature not to not to get along and only to get along with those that uh, we like because we're exactly like them.
friends, we want to welcome today uh, One Mission TV as our sponsor here at uh, Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. They have been an invaluable partner with us since I've come here to uh, the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. What they effectively have done is they took all of our media resources and we put them together in this one neat package that One Mission TV takes care of. They're just doing an admirable job for us and have really taken us to a different level in our media work. Here's some things they've done for us. They've done web design, they can do logo design, designs for print materials, and of course, any kind of video presence and, and recording you'd like to do. And uh, they've really helped us enhance our online presence as they can for you. Great guys, great partners. You will be glad you have done this. They're really a one call media company and I think you'll be blessed by using One Mission TV. And friends, if you want to contact One Mission TV, you can do so at info at onemission.tv. That's info at onemission.tv. I said before that, you know, it's really not a matter of skin. It's a matter of sin. Right. And uh, it's not just because we speak the same language. It's It really comes down to a heart issue it's a heart problem right and it, it definitely is and sadly we as evangelicals and uh, uh, very lamentably as as baptists we have carried the banner of racism because uh, we somehow listen to the fruit of the flesh rather than the fruit of the spirit um, I'm not saying that uh, uh, you know things are all right and okay obviously the disturbances in our country the last uh, five years remind us that we still even though we've made a progress and we made good progress, there's still a lot more to go. And I, I believe that we as believers in Christ should be carrying the banner of ethnic conciliation. And that's the term I prefer to use. And over racial reconciliation, again, not just because of the different ethnic groups, but because in reality, we haven't been together. Reconciling means to bring two people together that at one time were apart. And in, and in reality, historically, we haven't been together as we should. So I, I, I like the term ethnic conciliation. I think D.A. Horton, uh, the young ex-rapper that's turning yeah. into a theologian now, uh, is championing, championing that, that expression. And I like it very much because it's, it's true. And here in Detroit, um, we've been very, very divided uh, for, again, a lot of variety of reasons. And, but I'm glad to see, especially among those under 40 and 50, have been waking up and seeing how this is a sin, and have been working very hard at trying to, to cross the lines. Still, church, as uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, at 11 o'clock is still the most segregated hour. Um, but even though that's true still to this day, I, I think we've done progress here in Detroit. Uh, we, we, we have a, a major church, uh, Anglo, primarily Anglo church, that has an African-American pastor. Um, that's been quiet, you know, when you think of Chris Brooks at Woodside Bible. Uh, it hasn't been broadcast as much as it should be, but I think that's spectacular progress. It's not the end, and that's, uh, uh, in, in my opinion, a, a part of the first steps. Uh, and uh, I pray for their church's harmony and, and continual success. Uh, but there are other churches that we see in, in Novi and Troy and in other parts of the, of the metro area that are mixing, that the, the congregation is made up uh, 
of other ethnic groups. And I think uh, another boundary that crosses the linguistic one, for Spanish, uh, at one time, we had three languages represented. We had 15 different countries, uh, you know, Anglo, African-American, and then Latinos from uh, a variety of countries. We were blessed uh, for many years to be able to get along, as you said, uh, uh, even among Latino nations, we don't like each other. Our accents are very different. Our food is very different. Uh, not everybody eats tacos and tamales. And, uh, not everybody <laughs> Which is a sin. I think that's a sin. Manchero. They need to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when I went to Panama, I was shocked that they didn't have tacos. Ah, but, that's, uh, that's wrong no, about it, that. In so many ways, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, our Panamanian friends, obviously, and our, our brethren are, uh, have great a great cuisine as well, and great music. And, and, and when you look at Revelation, you know, both Revelation, I believe, is chapter 7 and 21, we see that God is calling the entire world together, and we are not made into this one amorphic mess. You know, we're not just only wearing white robes. Um, in, in Revelation 21, it says that the New Jerusalem uh, will have the nations represented. And there's no sign from my perspective, and I noticed Tim Keller agrees with me, so <laughs> that uh, we don't lose our ethnic identity in heaven. In Revelation 21, uh, verses 24 to 26, it says that the glory of the nations will be there. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're lost or that uh, we walk in there and, and we, we mean, I don't know, we may not be speaking all the same language, and in some heavenly way, we have the ability to understand each other. Uh, it says the kings bring their glory there. So uh, obviously, uh, the, the passage tells us as well that nothing impure or anything that's sinful can enter the New Jerusalem. But then there are aspects of our culture, of our personalities that are godly and that are different from one another. And, and God loves variety. When we look at nature, we look at the, at the variety of plants, of animals, uh, and even us as humans, we're not all the same. God loves variety. God loves uh, a, a different design, and he enjoys that. So therefore, um, why can't we prepare for the new Jerusalem now? Why do we have to Absolutely. wait until then? I was told, what, Eli, you're waiting for the, you want the millennium right now. And I said, <laughs> well, no, no I can't. <laughs> but but I, what I see in the New Testament, starting from the bilingual church in Jerusalem, you know, to the new Jerusalem, there is diversity in the church, and God has constantly modeled that through the centuries. Eli, I've got a question here. Uh, I, I, man, I agree with everything you said, and uh, you're saying it much more eloquently than I could even think about saying it. But one of the things I, I'm, I'm interested in from your perspective is how can we put into place some practical things, some, some things we can do? to help bring our churches and our ethnicities together in a way that honors God and makes a difference in our community. Uh, I'm always looking for the practical how-to. I'm, I'm kind of the, uh, don't give me all the details. Tell me how to do this. Let's go. I want to know how do we get this done? And uh, what are some practical ideas that you might have that we could, as churches and individuals, implement to help begin to bring ethnic uh, conciliation? One of the things is obviously forming partnerships, and that's something good that our state convention has done in the past, but they've been temporary. And what we need is long-term relationship building. 
Um, one of the things I've done over the years, uh, both as layman and as a, as a pastor, uh, is to form relationships across uh, ethnic groups and churches uh, working across uh, geographical divides. So um, when I left for Spanish, we had several partnerships with suburban churches. Uh, I'm glad to say that uh, two of them were with, with our fellow BSCM churches that were long-term. And um, I, 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 first of all, pastor to pastor, I developed those relationships and they in turn, you know, reflected their appreciation and love to know me as a person. We met maybe not every single week or month, but we definitely met, got to know each other. Uh, it, it was invited to speak. They came to visit our, our church in our, our different way because we, you know, we, we did our services in two languages. You, you were there once and uh, you had to be translated by me. Uh, I know our, our method of Latino outreach was, is not common in the United States, but um, it is a model. It's not the only model, but it, it, it's a good one for the context we find. And I know that it takes getting used to, but the idea is to expose um, our way of doing things to other brethren in Christ. And then, you know, we're not asking them to, to leave their church and come and join ours, although some did. Uh, because they wanted to serve. They wanted to put their talents and treasure in an area of great need. And um, because we developed these partnerships, I realized that not all partnerships are, are healthy. And just like uh, we have to date sometimes several people before we find our mate, uh, we, we may need to date different churches in order to find those that we're compatible with theologically as well as culturally. And uh, because, you know, we all have different tastes, different preferences, different philosophies of ministry. And I'm grateful that, uh, by and large, we found compatible relationships, uh, primarily because we had the same theology. And that's something that I look for, uh, primarily. And then second, uh, that we had an openness of mind. Um, and it is hard. Some of our members won't like that. Uh, they don't like the idea, and some didn't. Uh, that uh, why do we have Anglos here? We Latinos can do whatever we need. We don't need outside help or participation. And, and that's completely false. Uh, we need each other. Um, and even, the, let's say you have a, a relationship between a wealthier church and a less uh, economically developed church. Uh, there, there are issues that we have to be careful, just like uh, in foreign missions, not to develop dependencies uh, and, and not to overwhelm a church that doesn't have as many high-capacity members. Exactly. Uh, so in many ways, we have a lot to learn from, uh, you know, cross-cultural missions that are uh, people like, for example, in the International Mission Board. And I think this is where partnerships with them would be very beneficial along with uh, NAM in that uh, how to reach other ethnic groups right here within our own nation. That's being broached yeah. right now with NAM and IMB. They're talking right. about those things and working on that. And uh, I think it, it's absolutely imperative that we do those kinds of things and, and, and have those connections exactly like you're talking about. And I, I'm longing for that. You know, we have a partnership with the state of Georgia, a new state, uh, partnership we started with them. And what we're doing is we're going to be connecting churches to churches out of Georgia uh, that are compatible. That's what we're going to be trying to work on and make sure they are compatible because it is important that if you're going to make those steps, you need to make steps where you, where you can make those steps. And if, if people don't fit and if they don't mess, you're not going to make steps forward. So, uh, well, listen, uh, Eli, this absolutely fascinating 
uh, about what God has done in your life and doing through your life and uh, your perspective on all of this. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite you back sometime, if that's okay, where we can come back together and talk more about this. And not only this, but there's some things about the Detroit, Michigan history that fascinates me about how we got to where we are today. And as you as you may said, you know, if we don't know what our history is, we really don't know how we're put together and how we're going to move forward. Uh, somebody says, if you fail to understand your history, you will absolutely fail in your present. Your future is a mess. And I think we need to better understand our history. And uh, we'd like for you to come back sometime and let us talk about that and, uh, and deal with uh, uh, some of those other issues besides just race but i would like to have you back again here in the future to talk about this very subject again and how we can be more practical in implementing new ways and better ways to connect cross-culturally that's what i want to see happen so uh, uh eli thank you man thank you for coming on board with us today thank you for taking the time uh, I just thank you for who you are and what impact you've made in our our state, in our city. It's just uh, glad I got to know you. Glad to be part of this family that we're, we call the, the Baptist State Convention of Michigan and, and what God has uh, used you in, in doing here. So, well, folks, it's been a great, uh, great time to gather with you here on this podcast. I hope it's been informative for you. I hope you've gotten some insight there. Listen, if you have questions or want to know more about uh, what we're doing at the Baptist State Convention in Michigan, please, please contact us. We'd love to get to know more about you. Uh, you can always go to our website at bscm.org and uh, get information there and also find the place where you can email any and all of us about this. But again, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners here on the podcast of Punching Holes in the Darkness. May we together all do just that. May we punch holes in the darkness and make the kingdom great here in Michigan. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness.